Hey friends, let's talk about search intent today, specifically from the perspective of keyword research. Although I'm going to give you three tips and you can definitely use these tips when you're updating your existing content. I, however, want to attack the concept before we ever start writing. My name's Leslie Peterson, and I help bloggers turn their modest websites into thriving online enterprises with SEO, email marketing, and a little hard love encouragement to always move forward consistently and with a plan. What do I mean by search intent? Well, what is the searcher really looking for when they type a keyword or key phrase into the search box. That's what search intention is. Most SEOs like to talk about four different intention types. You might have heard it before from an SEO talk. You might have read an article about it. And if you have one of the common research tool, keyword research tools, then you've probably seen it in the tools. And I'm talking about informational, navigational, commercial, and transactional keywords. And while these are very important intentions to understand, to get our head around and take note of before we uh, run off to write a new uh, article, this is definitely just the first layer of understanding when it comes to search intent and keyword research. I want to challenge you to go to the next level. And that is not just understanding whether somebody's getting ready to buy something or they're still in research mode, but to really understand what the key pieces of information are that they're looking for. So let me give you a really extreme example. Back in 2018, if you did a search in Google or any other tool for that matter, and search the word mask, you probably would have seen information about Halloween masks, maybe some beautiful African masks, African art masks, maybe some face masks from a beauty perspective, the kind of um, purple or green goop that some of us ladies enjoy putting on our faces weekly in order to make us look young again. But you probably would not have seen the type of face masks that were common in 2020 and 2021. You know what I'm talking about. Well, fast forward to today. If you search masks, that's definitely what you're going to see. The blue and white masks that people wore during COVID, some black masks, maybe patterns about how to create your own masks if you want to make them at home. Definitely different intentions for the word masks between 2018 and let's say 2022. Here's another example in that same vein. If you search today, I I just did this before I came on here with y'all, do face masks expire? There's some crazy convoluted results that show up. At least as of today, now this can change tomorrow, but as of today, position one and position four were giving you information about face mask expiration for the kinds of paper masks, the blue and white specifically paper masks that were worn during COVID. But positions two, three, and five are answering the question for beauty masks, the kind of masks that you might pick up at Ulta 
and put on your face in order to decrease the size of your pores. So two different types of masks. People are answering the question about expiration for both of those. And you can tell by their search results that are coming up on page one, Google still hasn't figured out what kind of face mask <laughs> expiration dates people are really looking for. So hell of a ride through <laughs> since 2020 and the way things have changed. But those are just really extreme examples. The truth is that search intention for even the most common keyword is changing over time. It's changing regularly. And it's not as extreme as what we just talked about um, or as cut and dry as the masks example, but it's definitely changing. It ebbs and flows just as Google begins to understand what people are looking for and really tighten in on that um, understanding of what that searcher is after. And as people's needs change and people's questions change. So that's why it's really important that we begin to understand those nuances because they're typically not going to be, like I said, as cut and dry as the masks, but we begin to understand those nuances of the keyword that we're after, the keyword that we're trying to rank for. So there are three steps that I recommend that everyone do in their uh keyword research phase. And it doesn't matter whether you're doing an informational things to do in post, if you're doing an affiliate post, it, this applies to any type of those top level intention keywords, any type of post that you're doing that you're looking to have uh, returned in the search results set. These are the three things that you want to, to, to do and to look for and to understand. So the first one is to really get a, a good picture of the most important components or the co most important components of the answer that somebody's looking for. When somebody types a phrase, even if it's not in the form of a question, when somebody types a phrase into the search bar, they're asking a question. So what are the most important components of that answer that they're looking for? Because there might be 15 different ways to answer the question, 15 different pieces of information that somebody could bring back. But what are the most important ones to them in general? And when I taught students this last year and in the years before, I always said, you need to open up results one, two, and three. If it's a difficult keyword, open up results four, five, and six also. Look at each one of those pages and try to glean an understanding based on how Google has ranked them. But times are changing, folks. And we have ChatGPT to help us and make that process so much more simple. So here's my recommendation to you. Open up your AI tool of choice. For me, that's ChatGPT. Do not ask it to write you an outline. Do not ask it to write the article for you. Do not ask it what the most important components are for ranking for SEO. They're not gonna, it's not gonna be able to help you <laughs> in that way, not the way you're after. But what you can do is ask it, give it the keyword and ask it what the most important critical elements are for someone who's doing that search. 
There you go. It's pretty easy. It's, I like to say, give me two or three things. It narrows the list down because again, we know ChatGPT can be really verbose. I don't care about all of them. I care about the most important two, three, four. I, that's what I want ChatGPT to return to me. So that's step number one. You have to really get a clear understanding of the most critical questions or components of the question that that person's after, that that searcher is looking for. It used to take a lot of effort. Now, you ask ChatGPT. Okay, here's step number two. Asking the AI is really easy. But step number two is where so many people fall short. Are you ready? You have to actually take that information and apply it to your post. You, I want you to not ask ChatGPT for an outline for your post. I want you to outline your own post based on your own authority and your own experience. But as you're doing that, organize your outline, or if you've already outlined it, reorganize your outline to accommodate those questions. We know that Google and uh, all the other search engines now are using AI to return a result set, right? They're using AI to determine which one of the billions of articles out there is best to return in position one, in position two, in position three. So let's ask an AI tool to help us understand how they're ranking the best result for the best result. Tell us that information and then let's take that information and use it. So that means taking those two, three, four ideas that ChatGPT gave back to you and putting those at the beginning of your outline, not strewn within your outline, not at the bottom, definitely not as an FAQ. We know what's happened there. Not in the, all thrown into the introduction, but at the beginning of the critical meat of your article. I'm going to give you an example. We've started homeschool back again here in this house. The young one's in sixth grade. So I use ChatGPT to help me with this idea. I said, what are the two to three most important questions that a searcher has when they're looking for sixth grade homeschool curriculum? And here's the three it gave me back. What subjects and materials are needed? How does the curriculum align with the educational standards this for the state? And where can I find support? or guidance for teaching this. There you go. That's what people are looking for when they type it in. Now, is it what I was looking for? Is it what you're looking for? Maybe, maybe not, but we're not we're not writing to meet the needs of for us. We're writing to meet the needs of the general public. And this is the way to get there. So I'm not going to start with a story about how my kids in 6th grade now and how challenging it's been, and how I went out to the store to look for some curriculum. I'm not starting there. I'm not starting with a huge intro like that. With all of that backstory, I'm jumping into the meat of the article with what subjects and materials are needed for sixth grade. There you go. The answers are there for you, right? ChatGPT is giving you the answers, but you've got to apply it. That's number two. You've got to apply it in the meat first. Now, am I saying not to include your own experiences? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Those experiences are now a critical component of ranking for this content also. But I don't want you to start with a three-part story about how you are looking for sixth grade homeschool curriculum. I want you to jump into item number one, what subjects and materials are needed. And then you're going to pick the first thing. So I'm going to say, uh, for example, that we're going through this, you know, I can't even remember the name of it. I'm going to be honest. This particular um, uh, ge geography class. So here's for geography, you should teach geography. We're learning um, world geography. This is the, pro you know, the product that we're using. Here's why I like it. Here's how we're using it. Move on to the next one. So you definitely want to include your own experiences in there, but you want to do it succinctly and in the right place. Okay, here's number three. I want you to look at the competition. I implore you, never ever begin an article for a selected keyword without looking at who's already ranking for that keyword. I know it can be a little tricky. I don't, I don't like reading the entire article because I don't even want to give the appearance that I'm copying from them. But I do need to look at how it's laid out. I need to look at what the headings and subheadings are. I need to look at what perspective they're bringing. I need to understand how they're answering the question. And that's what I would ask you to do as well. Here are four things that I look for when I'm examining the competition. Number one, are they answering those questions? that I just learned about from ChatGPT, are they answering those questions? Is it really clear that they're answering the questions? Are they answering the important questions up front? How are they answering those questions and how are they applying their own experience to the answers? Number two, do they get to the point quickly? I don't need, you know, gone to the days when we can apply magazine writing styles to the internet. I don't need a four-point introductory paragraph about how your grandma was also homeschooled. <laughs> I don't need to write an introduction into for every header before I jump right into the points. So are they getting to the point? How quickly are they getting to the point? How well are they getting to the point? Number three, how are they explaining and demonstrating their own experiences on that topic. So most likely, they're not being extremely verbose, but they are able to get the point across that, hey, I'm, I, I have or had a sixth grader that I homeschooled and I picked out a curriculum for them. It's likely that the person who's ranking is not a single person with no kids who's never homeschooled their kids before. Experience matters. So understand how they are demonstrating that experience. And then finally, take a look at what charts, infographics, um, printables, pictures that they're using and how they're using them especially the ones that answer the question. For example, pictures 
of the actual, in this case, curriculum that they picked. Or an infographic with, you know, all of this, the subjects listed and the, uh, the option one and option two, you know, curriculum choices for those. So the four questions or the four things you're looking at when you examine the competition, are they answering those key components of the question that the searcher has? Are they getting to the point quickly? Are they demonstrating experience and and how are they demonstrating experience? And what charts, graphs, infographics, photos, other ancillary pieces of information have they added to make it um, easy to understand? So that is how I recommend understanding search intent when you're doing keyword research and of course, when you're updating your posts. Now, I know this audience. I'm going to get an email from somebody who tells me that they don't do anything like this and they're doing just fine, which is great. I think that's fantastic. But I'm here to tell you, Google is flexing right now. They are showing their might. And if you want to continue to be on page one, of Google for your select keywords going forward and all the ancillary keywords that uh, that come with writing a thorough uh, piece uh, thorough piece of content then you're going to have to understand intention like you never have before i absolutely want to celebrate the successes that you've already had but i want you to be open to how search is changing rapidly at a almost um, disruptive pace. And I want you to learn how to develop different ways of thinking about answering those questions for your audience. For some of us, it's going to take moving out of our comfort zone. Some of you don't want to do this. You don't want to look at the competition before you write an article. You don't want to understand search intent. You have an idea. You're ready to present your findings. And gosh darn, if anybody's going to get in your way. And I love that about you. I think that's amazing. But I want to challenge you to put your ego aside and to think about the person who's reading it. Understand what's most important to them to hear not what's most important for you to say. We want to go beyond, I'm going to use this analogy that I heard the other day, go beyond barfing out our own perspective, go beyond just trying to rank for a particular keyword and land in a place where we're truly trying to meet the needs of the people we're writing for. Hey, real quick, this is Leslie just dropping in to remind you that I have several free resources on my blog right now that I'd love you to get your hands on. Just head over to lesliepeterson.com. The link is in the show notes below and grab my free blog post update checklist. Or if you're on a journey to fire up your blog's email newsletter, grab my free list of 52 newsletter connection prompts. With both of those, I'll include a video about how to use them to build a solid relationship with your subscribers 
or work towards doubling your traffic with updates. Grab both of those at lesliepeterson.com.